Welcome to the Radiant Astrology Podcast, where we illuminate the wisdom of the cosmos for spiritual insight and soul-level healing. I'm your host, Christina Caudill. Thank you for joining me. Hello, this is Christina Caudill of the Radiant Astrology Podcast. And in today's episode, I'll be talking about the Uranus ingress into Taurus with my guest, the astrologer Gray Crawford. And Gray and I actually had a really great, really long discussion. And um, so I decided to break it up into two podcast episodes. So today is the focus on Uranus ingress into Taurus, as well as the Mars retrograde and Mars in Aquarius, which is going to be squaring Uranus three times and we just had the first and we have two more to look forward to and the second part we're going to be talking about the Uranus opposition which is the midlife transit that everyone in their early 40s experiences and with Uranus ingressing into Taurus that means those of us with Uranus in Scorpio natally can be looking forward to our Uranus opposition soon so um I really wanted to talk about that with Gray because he is in the middle of his Uranus opposition. Um, And actually, as we spoke, as we had the interview, he was on Uranus opposition. He was having his. um, So that is a really great discussion. So hopefully part two I'll have out in another week or so. Fingers crossed. Um, But before I get into my talk with Gray, I had a couple of announcements. I recently offered Uranus in Taurus audio readings, um, and I had such a huge response. And just being that I was so overwhelmed with them, I could only offer them for a limited time. And so that time sadly has passed. However, if you do want more in-depth insight into your astrology, I encourage you to book a one-hour reading with me. Um, I am going to be increasing my rates for new clients beginning June 5th. My one hour rate for new client is 180. Um, and so this is for anyone who's a new client or hasn't had a reading within six months. Um, returning clients, they get a they get to keep the um, regular rate of $150. So um, that all of that will be out on my website. So if you would like to book a reading now before June 5th and still get that $150 for one hour rate, you can visit radiantastrology.com, visit my services page, and book your reading there. Now, I've also, as many of you know, I'm a member of Kaipach's New Paradigm Astrology, and we are in the middle of an awesome Uranus and Taurus intensive. So we did a week-long series of videos all delving into Uranus and Taurus from an evolutionary astrology perspective. I was the lucky one to get Uranus through the houses, um, which was so interesting because it was Uranus and Taurus through the houses. So it's specifically about Uranus and Taurus um, when it is transiting your house, uh, in the certain houses. Um, 
And, you know, just from looking at the significations with what is happening with Uranus, you want to look not only at the house that's currently transiting, you want to look at the house that Taurus rules, which is either that house or the next house. And you also want to look at your Aquarius house, um, because that in modern astrology is the house that Uranus would rule, right? So there's some um a bit of a story there as well you know the primary story generally being the house that uranus is transiting in um but i'm seeing also that even if it's if save taurus rules the next house there is a resonance there with that house as well as with the aquarius house and as mars has just ingressed aquarius and is squaring uranus as i record this um we are really seeing some activity kick up in the Aquarius part of our charts as well. So you definitely want to take a look at your chart and just see what kind of evolution is Uranus bringing to me, inviting into my life. And in Taurus, you know, Taurus can be the sign of wanting things to be stable and not wanting change and resisting change. But Uranus is saying it's time to evolve and there is no getting away from Uranus. So um, with that, I wanted to introduce my guest today, Gray Crawford. Gray is an astrologer and his website is graycrawford.net. He is um, one of my absolute favorite astrologers to read online. Uh, He writes so beautifully and so thoroughly. Um, And I had a reading with him years ago when I was coming out of a situation with a, a teacher, an astrology teacher, who had just, you know, I had delved into this person's work so much and had a falling out with and was kind of not knowing where to turn next. And thank goodness I ran into Gray somehow. I think I just, you know, saw his writings online and he was very much helpful to me. And he really opened up the world of evolutionary astrology for me at the time, because I did not know much about it. Um, I don't consider myself exclusively evolutionary astrology, but definitely the work of evolutionary astrologers is, is very influential in my work. Um, and Gray himself was an evolutionary astrologer who then really started looking more into Hellenistic astrology, and he really uses the best of everything he learns and folds it all, weaves it all into his work. So I highly recommend um, signing up for his newsletter at graycrawford.net. And Gray will be speaking at the UAC conference that's coming up May 24th through 30th in Chicago, which I'm really looking forward to attending. Um, He'll be speaking on the progressed Mercury. So in your progressed chart, how Mercury is operating, the synodic cycle it's in, you know, whether it's stationing. Um, Gray says that that actually is something that he's found to be very significant. He'll be talking about that at UAC and he'll be presenting on the Uranus opposition, which as I said, is a midlife transit. And it's so interesting because I had already asked Gray to speak on the Uranus opposition for my podcast and we were recording it. And then like a few days later, he had gotten 
or I think he, he was, I had asked him to do it. And then like a week later, he had gotten an invitation to speak on the Uranus opposition at UAC. The first time he's speaking at a conference, by the way. And then um, we recorded right after that. So I still have a lot of, you know, I like to edit things and clean them up and everything. So still have that work to do. My husband helps me with that. So I have to squeeze it in when it works for him. Um, but what, what, I, what I wanted to do is begin with my talk with Gray Crawford on Uranus ingressing into Taurus, what that means for us personally and collectively. Um, and what he sees is some of the really significant um, movements that we're experiencing in the world with these archetypes. So here is part one of my talk on Uranus and Taurus with the astrologer Gray Crawford. I hope you enjoy it. Okay, so I'd like to really just talk a little bit about the Uranus ingress into Taurus, which we just recently experienced. One of the things that was just so incredibly noticeable, it seemed like, when Uranus was at the very end, the, the anoretic degree, 29 Aries, we saw so many incredible pictures of the lava coming from that volcano in Hawaii. And it just seemed to keep getting worse. And it was spewing all this <laughs> like lava. And I mean, it was incredible. And that was a volcano that had been dormant for like decades. And so that, and not only was Uranus at the very end of Aries, it was being squared by Mars, right? So we see this real triggering of this Uranian and Aryan and Martian energy, you know, it's like unmistakable. Um, and then the other thing that seemed to capture the world's attention was the, you know, the uprisings and the actual killing of citizens in um, Jerusalem of having moved the embassy to Jerusalem. And then there were Palestinians who were protesting it and killed. And that was when Uranus was, I believe Uranus at that point had ingressed into Taurus and it's really interesting because when we think of Taurus, and I've been seeing a lot of astrologers writing on Taurus being about the earth, and because it is an earth sign, and we tend to associate it with the actual earth, and you know, we're hoping that Uranus can maybe help us to find some innovative ways of caring for the earth. But this event was very, I think it's worth really noticing the theme of whose homeland, you know, who, who does the land belong to, you know, who is the land, who's exiled from the land, whose homeland is it, that kind of thing. And again, we saw this, you know, intensity of the Mars Uranus square um, coming through these uprisings and coming back to whose land is it? So I don't know. What did you think about when you saw that during this in intense astrological ingress? Yeah, uh, there's a lot there that you're just saying. One thing is both of those things actually happened with Uranus at the end of Aries. And they will, though, definitely be going on and continuing on for a while. 
with this Uranus and Taurus ingress. But yeah, they they both did. Um, I believe the first day of, of a lot of people getting killed with the Israeli uh, military uh, gunning down people was um, Uranus was still in Aries then. And the initial protests were happening kind of like leading into that too. But I mean, a, a fairly, both of those events are pretty similar in that they came in at the end of Uranus and Aries. They're like these sort of threshold transitioning world events that you're right. They both of them do connect to things we're going to see happening with Uranus and Taurus. One thing is we've been talking about how when Uranus comes in, things change and things are no longer the same. And Uranus brings a type of change that you're not going back from. You know, things are somewhat irrevocably changed. And sometimes that can be exciting as far as new inspiration and revelation and insights that we might be afraid of and we're, we're kind of repressing and holding back from it. We have to really kind of step into it, even though we're afraid of it. And some Uranian events are literally terrifying and traumatic. And with the additional thing happening here, Mars, in its exaltation, in fact, at its exaltation degree, the, the exact degree that it's even, you know, Mars exalted in its sign at the very degree of its exaltation within. The 29 Capricorn? Yeah, or is it 28? It's something right around there. Yeah, it's basically right around there. So the other piece about that, though, is right. As Uranus is going into Aquarius, there, it was getting close, but the actual square did not perfect until, it doesn't perfect until Mars goes into Aquarius. And then this sets us up with Mars in Aquarius. There's going to be two more hard square aspects going forward. So all these things set in motion not just in these world events, but in whatever's going on in your life, they're going to be playing out for a while because Mars is going to be going retrograde in Aquarius at the end of June. It's lined up with eclipses, in fact, an especially powerful lunar eclipse. It's coming back then, so there'll be another square at the beginning of August. And then after Mars stations direct, there'll be a final square between them around September 18th, around the next equinox. And that, at that point, Mars will be direct in Aquarius. But, you know, all the way up until mid-September, you know, towards the end of September, this is still going to be going on. And Mars, of course, is also seen as, on one hand, it can be a force of inspiration and courage and you know, really embarking on something. It can also be a, a very scary force when it shows up. It can be very destructive. You know, in tarot, it's associated with that tower card and that lightning strikes just shattering the tower. And I think the way we talk about Uranus in modern astrology, a lot of people probably see that card and think about Uranus the way it's described. But, it's, you know, it's actually the card that goes with Mars. Oh, wow. I didn't, I didn't realize that. But I totally see Mars in Aquarius <laughs> being the tower card. Yeah. yeah, so we have Mars and Uranus just in a hard aspect, but it's, it's, it's not your normal one where, you know, Mars squares Uranus and moves on. It's happening now. It happens again, like August 1st with Mars retrograde, and it happens a third time, third and final time, September 18th with Mars direct at that point, and Uranus at that point is 
retrograde. And, but anyway, the other thing about this is they're both fixed signs. So I think one thing about fixed signs are, are the events tend to be a, a little slow to develop, a slower pace, but they're, they're the sort of inexorable like steadiness. They persist. They tend to go on for a long time. I mean, you know, the fixed signs are all about that. Mm-hmm. And so um, one of the things that it made me think of when the lava was happening and I saw those images that, that were just very frightening, the, I saw one footage of just like this lava, you know, coming across the street towards this parked car. And you could just see it moving and it's, it's moving fairly slow. And the thing about that lava flow, there's nothing stopping it. And, it, and it's just moving steady, 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 steady. It's taking out everything in its way. There's nothing we can do about it. You know, people losing their entire livelihood. You know, people that maybe it's like they've saved up and they, you know, they've got this home, they've got this whole life. It's just gone. And, and there's nothing they can do about it. And now they have to completely start over in their life. It's kind of like the most extreme version of Uranus that you can get. I wanted to mention something also about the fixed signs is that a lot of times these, you know, their effects can not only be slow, but they can affect us for a really long time. If the rest of our lives, like I did a webinar on, you know, the nodal shift with when the nodes were going into Leon Aquarius and, um, yeah, I looked at some charts and it was like, for instance, Rosa Parks, like, you know, I think there was like the North Node in Leo conjunct Pluto, you know, aspecting her chart or something. I think the South Node was on her Mercury at the time. And when she walked into the NAACP and signed up to be, you know, to work with them as an activist, and she was an NAACP member for the rest of her life, you know, and she, I mean, this for like 60 years or something, you know, it was a moment that carried her for the rest of her life. And also um, the Beatles, when they were first forming, it was when I think, I want to say the North Node Leo was on their, their Pluto and Leos or something. And that the work they were doing to gel together and to create a sound carried them for, you know, decades. So it's kind of like something is crystallized, something crystallizes within us or has the opportunity to, and, you know, it could affect us well beyond, you know, the, the immediate future. Yeah. And in fact, John Lennon has Uranus and Taurus just in his um, chart, as well as that Jupiter oh. Saturn conjunction in Taurus. Um, and, you know, him and other people born right around there, like um, Bob Dylan. I mean, it's a, it's a part of that whole generation that comes into prominence in the sixties with that Pluto Uranus conjunction, but they, you know, those people just created something that's, that's really endured. And on a more positive, inspirational level, I noticed that the article I wrote on my site about Uranus and Taurus, one of the things that really stood out to me was just how many enduring uh, masterpieces. If you just look back in history at the transit of uh, Uranus and Taurus, Mm. uh, Don Quixote, like Leaves of Grass. Pablo Picasso painted Guernica, which is like, yeah. is, you know, one of his absolute masterpieces during that time. But was, not then, yeah. Um, that's interesting because you think of Uranus being it, like maybe innovative for its time, but being in a fixed sign like Taurus being something that could potentially endure. Yeah, definitely. 
And um, so the other piece of that with the lava that is obviously just the literal thing of it being forces erupting out of the earth, bringing up all these survival concerns, you know, this, this kind of force of nature that again is beyond our control. And we're drawing on nature for our energy and our sustenance. And there's tons of environmental concerns that are going along with that all around the world and like overpopulation and how are we going to have enough energy and the idea of climate change or global warming, there's that piece too, and just seeing these more devastating storms, you know, and so all these things are things that we're going to have to deal with as a civilization, global civilizations during this time period. Um, in terms of the Palestinian crisis or Gaza Strip with uh, Jerusalem, that is another one you, you see over and over again with past transits of Uranus and Taurus are wars over land rights and um, natural resources. And the people in um, Palestinians, you know, they've been living in really horrible, traumatic conditions there, you know, cut off from basic human needs like clean water and just very basic things. Not to get too caught up in all the politics of it, but there's obvious human rights violations going on there. And, and you have two sides digging in in a very Taurus way. There's, there's lots of things going back through history, but one thing I, I did notice when I was just going back, previously Christian crusaders took over Jerusalem and took over that land. And then there's this very famous conqueror named Saladin. This is during the 1180 to 1189 transit of Uranus and Taurus. And he ends up, I think he conquered like Syria and like Egypt. And he ended up reconquering Jerusalem mm -hmm. and removing the Crusaders. And that and was during Uranus and Taurus? Yeah, that was Uranus and Taurus then. And what that set in motion then was the eventual Third Crusades, which are very famous, like, you know, Richard the Lionhearted and all that. So, I mean, this thing goes really far back, obviously. Oh, um, can, I, can I just interject one thing? Yeah. You know, I, I just saw a webinar with Nick Dakin Best, and he was saying he also went kind of far back, not that far back, but I think like a couple of centuries ago and used several examples of Uranus ingressing Taurus and there being an uprising and some kind of use of lethal force by whoever was in power. That seemed to be a re reoccurring theme. Uh, we also know the last time Uranus ingressed Taurus was when Hitler was declared Fuhrer of Germany. You know, that's something we want to look at. You know, what will be people's rights to, to freely protest? Yeah, I mean, the thing with, with the power structure coming back, it, it makes sense. With Israel, for example, a lot of that's obviously coming from their own fear. You know, they have their own trauma, you know, that came from, as a Jewish people, from Hitler, from a mass uh, genocide. They're coming from their own fear, um, which is something you can really see with, with Taurus. I mean, we're, we know we're talking about Taurus being this very stable, fixed earth sign. The shadow side of that can be a lot of resistance to change. Also a lot of fear around survival, needing to hold on to things tightly for survival, wanting to maintain the status quo of a situation. And beyond that, with, with what's going on in Israel right now, you know, they're coming out of their own collective trauma um, as far as the Israel state getting formed and all that. 
you know, with, with, you know, Hitler, as you, as you had mentioned, and this mass genocide and all the trauma the Jewish people are carrying into that situation and then being invaded by other countries, winning those wars, taking over more territory. And of course they can be criticized for um, the way they've treated the Palestinian people um, as part of all this and, you know, continuing to encroach and kind of expand their territory and all of that. And, you know, currently really being seemingly un unwilling to compromise, unwilling to, to talk, you know, really just solid, mm -hmm. being very stubborn in their position. And then you have all these protesters, right, coming in and camping out and um, being gunned down. We, we, just, we just have this total crisis. And, and, and this yeah. is... You know, what do you think about clashing, you know, when one side or both sides are being stubborn, you know, and with that very Torian symbolism. And you just think that it's, you know, if, if one side isn't willing to bend, then it seems to make the, the clashing more likely, I would think. Yeah, and, and there is also the piece around this that when you're mentioned just like the land rights and what is what is the um, considered the home, the homeland or whose land is this? I mean, one of the things that set this off was, um, you know, just recognizing Jerusalem, the United States recognizing Jerusalem and moving the embassy there. Um, you know, there's a reason that had been put off for so long. That's obviously a situation that is, I don't think there's even words for how deeply concerning that situation is simultaneously with the, um, what just happened with Iran and the Trump administration pulling out of that deal. Um, as we're heading into this period of Mars retrograde, we have this, <laughs> that lunar eclipse I mentioned, which is exactly aligned um, Uranus squaring Mars, you know, Mars on the lunar eclipse exactly it's the heart of the Mars retrograde, like Mars at its like peak thing opposing the sun. None of this, like, I mean, hopefully we're, we're going to avert getting pulled in, into what, what could turn into, a, I mean, a Major really... conflict. I mean, yeah, it's, it's a big deal for this, this um, ingress to be happening with this happening because it, it definitely signifies mm -hmm. the astrology is going to be playing out for a while. I mean, hopefully because there are these different you know, twists and turns coming up with Mars going retrograde and there's more squares to come. Maybe there's a way to um, avert, you know, more, more disaster happening. But yeah, it's, it's very, it's, it definitely connects to, this is a lot of the more kind of like, if you want to say shadow, shadow in a bad way of, um, of Taurus and Uranus and Taurus. So, I mean, Mars and Aquarius, ideally, could you know that is an air sign um which is you know a cohesive element that's that's willing to communicate willing to listen you know in aquarius it can kind of detach itself and, and be very analytical which can definitely play out in military strategy but it could also play out in strategies to mediate the situation ideally but i would just be expecting then you know, in addition to that, other protests happening. And when these powers are threatened, you know, with Uranus and Taurus, they're going to be holding on at all costs. Mm. To the, you know, they're, they're not going to be wanting to, um, 
to let go of their their grasp of the, their power and the grasp of the situation. So, yeah, there's 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 definitely it just really suggests really large forces at play in, in all these situations. And then when we look at our own lives, it's probably helpful to see how this may be playing out in our own lives. Like, is what we're being stubborn about and holding on to, is it really worth the potential conflict? Mars and Aquarius can be helpful in that, you know, Aquarius is the, the good of all leadership with Aquarius is leading from behind and everyone, you know, is equal essentially or feels part of a movement. And, you know, when you're conflict in conflict with an immovable force, something in Taurus, <laughs> that can really, I guess, derail any sense of everyone being equal. But on a positive side, if, you know, if we can use these creatively, I guess there would be ways that we can look at the Aquarian wanting, you know, everyone to at least feel like they're part of something. Yeah, I mean, it, it definitely is just a very volatile time period because even you know what i'm saying how these power structures wanting to hold on to their power i mean the the thing is at the same time they're not i mean this uranus coming into taurus suggests even if they're going to try to hold on and maybe they do hold on in some way the foundations are changing Mm -hmm. you know and and with uh, mars mars going retrograde same thing happens you know these things get um this fiery red planet it melts things down and you know things get separated out they get melted down to come back together again into you know this new form and so that combining with uranus at the same time it suggests really deep change and so in your own life on a personal level the same kind of thing could be playing out where there is this deep shifting happening, things are really changing. If you're in a relationship where things are going really well, but, um, you know, it's a relationship, though, where you're happy, you know, there's a sense of who you can be in the relationship, you feel seen by your partner, you can express yourself, all that. That's that, that kind of thing I don't really see. There's, there's still going to be change happening, but, but if those kinds of situations, you know, the relationship can easily adapt and change and flow and continue on, you know, moving with how everything else is changing. I would say like, I've definitely been having um, readings with and consultations with people recently who are not in that situation, you know, where there is a situation where they haven't been seen by their partner, their partner has not been meeting their needs. They've been trying to sort of hold on and maintain this for years and they're kind of thinking at this point I can't you know do this anymore so in some cases it's kind of like in my in those situations it might be making the the decision to to change that and end it but then all these fears come up you know how am I going to support myself where am I going to live you know even like how are my relationships going to change you know, how, how am I going to actually survive? Can I meet somebody else? Can I handle, you know, being on my own? Um, you know, it makes me think you, of the, you know, Aquarian, Uranian, the nonlinear field. You know, it's like, it's almost like your life shatters. And it's mm-hmm. all these little pieces. And, you know, it, it will just take taking things day day by day and, and putting things 
in a new order and um and just having to sort of go with that i mean that that seems to be a very like you know this uranian type of influence you know that you don't realize what that one relationship held together in your life right and then to be aware that you know things are really changing so in a situation like that when it where it really is in the best interest to move on from a relationship it, it's really just taking that step forward into that unknown situation which which sure could be very difficult for a time period but but likely coming out of that is going to be this whole new sense of, of who you are um, you know this whole new structure of your life will eventually start coming together. I mean, this year is pretty ch challenging in that way because we're gonna go from Uranus interacting with Mars retrograde pretty much immediately into Uranus then interacting with Venus going retrograde and Scorpio back to Libra. So it really suggests that for, I mean, the whole next period of time through like November, December, there's, there's a lot of this stuff going on. In other types of relationships or situations or jobs, even if everything's not perfect right now, there's ways that you can maintain that relationship or job or project or whatever it is. It's just going to require you to really be on top of how do you need to change this? How do things need to open up or um, modify it? Don't get too attached to things being a certain way and, and yeah. really just kind of sensing sort of like being an inner, like a farmer of your, the unknown within and this sense of like cultivating this, inner agriculture like really going inside yourself and just sensing i mean that's in the end that's all you can really do when you're dealing with difficult situations and you know looking for that yeah. inner guidance and that's where that strength of taurus can come in in a helpful way you know instead of like going within and like shutting things down and being stubborn and refusing to budge and refusing to change if you instead are like pulling back out of this sense of uh, confusion you're in and just going inside to listen to that inner guidance and help that guide you through this process of change. And that's kind of bringing the Taurus and the Scorpio together more. Mm -hmm. Both of those signs have fear of change, but you know they have to let go of their grasping and their desire to, even though Scorpio we talk about as being a liking change. I mean, Scorpios are, can be even more possessive and clingy and, and holding on to something and trying to maintain control than Taurus. I mean, both signs do that. So um, it's, it's, it's really like, yeah, just really opening to like not being so attached, moving through the change, like letting what needs to come through, come through and, and working with it. It's like if there's change that may be difficult to, you know, contemplate or to orient to, the task is to find an orientation to it rather than be in denial, rather than trying to wish things were different. And, you know, it just reminded me of when, you know, just a few years ago, Uranus was squaring my ascendant. And it was actually, I had, it was crazy because I have Capricorn at 11 degrees and natally, I've got Pluto at 11 Libra. And so it was during the Pluto-Uranus square. And they were exactly, Pluto was right on my ascendant. And Uranus was exactly, you know, in a T-square with the, <laughs> my natal Pluto. And transiting Pluto on my ascendant. And when you said, you know, these Uranus changes, things are irrevocably changed. Like there's just no going back. 
And that was a time for me and my own identity. Um, my mother passed away suddenly and I suddenly, my entire way I looked at life and everything had changed and there was no going back. And I came out as an astrologer, you know, I finally said, I need to take this seriously. And this is part of my identity now. And it's how I make sense of the world. But by all, you know, anyone looking at me wouldn't probably know that I, I changed. I mean, my life didn't dramatically change after that from the outside, but inside everything had changed. And, um, you know, and so that ultimately is, and when we look at Uranus in a yin internal sign like Taurus, you know, ultimately how we value ourselves and what we value in the world is it's a time for it to evolve. And if we think of it as not just changing, but evolving, then that may help us to, to get to some acceptance more, I would think. Yeah, I definitely, definitely agree with all of that. And, you know, it's going back again, you know, to Taurus being about these values um, associated with, with Venus and this idea of like it being a nocturnal sign. So we're talking about these like inner values when, when our inner values are, are changing on that kind of fundamental level, lots of elements of our life, you know, things seem to start looking chaotic and more chaotic than normal and things falling apart. But by following that, that inner sense of what are these essential values that you really want to see, that you really want to live from, you know, if, you, if you're focusing on that, that's the most, that's the most you can do. And it also makes it much more likely for things to start reformulating and coming together in this way that ultimately, you know, gets you on your path and moving with it in a way that's be much more aligned with, with those inner values in the end than you, than you were to begin with. Mm-hmm. You know, it reminds me when you keep saying about things falling apart, it reminds me of the book by Pema Chodron, When Things Fall Apart. Um, heartfelt advice for hard times. And there's a quote I wanted to read. She says, we think that the point is to pass the test or overcome the problem. But the truth is that things don't really get solved. They come together and they fall apart. They come together again and fall apart again. It's just like that. The healing comes from letting there be room for all of this to happen. Room for grief, for relief, for misery and for joy. So I thought that was, you know, very interesting because when things do fall apart, it doesn't necessarily mean we did anything wrong or something's wrong or we failed. It's just the nature, you know, of, of cycles. And that's what astrology helps us to see. Yeah. And that's, and that's the other thing that's really important is, you know, this idea that we have, if you're one of those people that are really into having free will and, really love that kind of law of attraction stuff that can work to a certain extent, but there's stuff that's way out of your control. It's going to happen and it's not your fault that it's happening, but what you can, the best you can do, right. Is to just focus on what are those inner values you do want to live from. And you know, that's, that, that really is in, in the end to me, at least about what you can, what you can do. We definitely need more people coming together now and working together. So that can hopefully be the good thing about Uranus being in the home of Venus. So it's being guided by Venus. It's kind of working from the guidebook of Venus 
you know, which is about things coming together. So hopefully that can be in the end what, what starts happening. But there's definitely really incredibly difficult things going on right now. And um, it's, it's most likely is going to definitely require the type of Uranian, you know, civil disobedience. That, that sort of thing is definitely going to be happening because, again, we have uh, this Mars retrograde and then Venus goes retrograde, which is sort of like Venus engaging in civil, civil disobedience. So um, that's going to definitely be necessary as part of all of this. Mm-hmm. You know, just looking back to World War II when this was, you know, when we had Uranus and Taurus then and people were hearing about the Nazis and the terrible things they were doing and through, I guess, modern culture, people just, you know, you don't, you don't do civil disobedience um, in much of the West. You just trust that everyone is working for your greater benefit you know, and, but the people that did see the writing on the wall and just went with what they knew, you know, that there was a danger, there was a threat and to leave your homeland or change your life, you know, that was about survival. And those that were in denial of it, they, some, many of them paid the price. So like I said, I don't think this, I wouldn't predict that that same exact thing is going to repeat, but I think the theme is we have to leave the past behind in, in many ways when we talk about Uranus. Yeah, um, we're definitely not going to have a Holocaust, Holocaust and, you know, some something like... The I hope not. Again. But it's undeniable there is a, a wave of white supremacy, Nazis, fascism in the world. And so Uranus wakes us up. So we all need to be, we need to be awake. We need to not be in denial about what's going on. And we need to be engaged, creating what we want to have happen, you know, and protecting people. Mm-hmm. And so, um, yeah, I mean, that one in the end is hopefully going to um, guide us through this coming period of time. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you so much, Gray. This was such a pleasure having you on the podcast. <laughs> and I look forward to seeing you in Chicago for yeah. UAC. Awesome. Thank you. All right.